everybody welcome to the true crime squad welcome to the show i'm christy brower and i am here with my sister co-host and partner katie weaver hey katie we're late but worth the wait we, we are late, but worth, yes yes i mean getting ready for thanksgiving and doing a live show i'm and having a little of this you know yeah we're doing our best yeah right absolutely but hello. And How's I know for those of you outside the U.S., tomorrow's just Thursday. Yeah. So happy Wednesday evening to all of you. This is our case update show. Mm-hmm. Just want to say hello to everybody in the chat. Colleen, GB, Paula, Ferry, Gigi, Amanda, Amy. Welcome, welcome. And welcome to everybody else as you're coming on in. We have we have a lot to discuss, as we generally do, don't we? <laughs> and I, I see, but did not hear Katie <laughs> to, saying something about shut up, and I'm sure it had something to do with dog. I said shut that dog up, yeah. Well, <laughs> all of my kids are home for Thanksgiving, and they're dogs. And so oh, it's, yes. you have it's fun and wild mm-hmm. and overwhelming, and... Uh, when they all get rowdy, my God, it's really Basically something. Basically hear it from my house now, 25 miles mm-hmm. away. And there's quite the rodeo, obviously, going on in the living room as we speak. So, uh, <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> we do what we can, right? They're having fun. I mean, it's hard for me if they were fighting. It's one thing, but they're having fun. How are Bruno and Luca handling the other dogs? Oh, God, they adore them. Matea's dog is uh, Shih Tzu named Buddha. He's too, he's a sweetheart. He's just very reserved. Mm-hmm. And Micah's dog, Layla, is about, well, she's, well, she's about two as well. Um, and she's a Chihuahua Shih Tzu mix and she is rowdy as hell. So they're mm-hmm. having a ball. Buddha kind of just sits up on top of furniture and just watches them with a look like, I'd kind of like to play. I kind of hate you all. You know, he's not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of them, oh, good Lord, it is it is a fray. Luckily, they do run out the back door, out the piggy door, you know, and run around a few laps and then back in the house and, oh, Lordy. Right. Yeah. Right. It's chaos. Is there any food left in the house for tomorrow? We went to Costco and muffed them up. So <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Welcome, Cindy, Renee, Brandy. I'm glad you got into the chat, Brandy. That's awesome. Yeah. Tracy, Tracy and Kathleen. RJ, good to see you all. RJ's here. Where the hell is JR? I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I never feel complete unless they're both here. So I know. Keep an eye out. <laughs> keep an eye out. Yeah, it's uh, a crazy day because we're cooking and getting ready for tomorrow. Yeah. I hate to admit this, but we haven't cooked a single thing. Well, Rhonda has. I haven't cooked a damn thing either. And I need to make cheesecake. So I got to get right on that after the show. Me too. I need to, I want to do my cranberries tonight. They're always better done the day before. Mm, And I wanted to do the stuffing tonight, but I'm not on stuffing. Mars is on stuffing. And she says she doesn't want to do it till tomorrow morning. So I guess whatever. 
And then uh, the rolls, I think I'm going to start the rolls tonight so I can bake them in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's my plan. We did ours today and well, then we got to eat them. So that was really nice. So mm. My birthday cake has already arrived. So we are having a piece of that right. after the show too. Uh-huh. Oh, your daughter has a six pound Chewini. Cindy, I have a Chewini, but mine's about mm -hmm. 14 pounds because she's gotten older. She's gotten wider. <laughs> I mean, she's like 14 pounds in a six pound body, you know? Yeah, yeah, she is. She's, <laughs> she's, she's a sausage in a real tight casing. Let's just put it oh, my way. hell. She is but, so yeah. cute and funny. But yes, they are dolls. Chewinies are probably my most favorite mm -hmm. of all time. They're so much fun. They are. So much fun. So... I brought some wine because we have to talk about some sad shit tonight, you guys. Oh, God. Damn it. People need to cool it. Right. Calm down. Chill the hell out. Mm. Oh, GB says today is actually eat a cranberry day. All oh. this week is Thanksgiving themes, holiday stuffing day, cranberry relish. Oh, that's funny. Wow. I did not know. Then I will be sure. I'm going to actually feed each of the pigs a cranberry just to see the looks oh, on their face. Because that's right? the kind of person I am. But well, they like fair, them or no? Well, I made beer cheese soup for dinner. You did? And it only took like one and a uh, one and a half bottles of beer. And it's this really dark, stout, uh, bourbon barreled uh, dragon's milk beer is what it's oh, called. Yes. And dear God, it's like molasses. It is so dark. I would never drink this in a million years. Mm -hmm. And Micah poured some of it into a measuring cup and let Fiona eat it. Well, pigs love beer. Oh, they love beer. Oh, yeah. She went crazy for it. I've, yeah. I've heard that's how you subdue them so you can trim their hooves and stuff. <laughs> that is literally what the vet told us to do, was yeah. to give both of the pigs a full bottle of dark beer so that they would relax and take a nap so we could do their hooves. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work. Fiona never settled down, and Zig only settled down enough for us to get one hoof before he was done with that. So, <laughs> all anyways. I all I hear there is just more more beer, add more, more beer, beer. Mm -hmm. yeah. more beer. Apparently, it won't hurt them. So, <laughs> anyway, but yes, she's had some beer tonight. She went nuts for it. Well, yeah, no, I'm glad someone likes it. It's, yes. it's amazing in soup, but oh, yes, oh, beer cheese like soup beer that is so good, but no, myself, mm -hmm. yeah, no, thank you. But to be fair, I haven't had a sample of the soup yet. The girls had to finish it because I ran out of time and needed to be here. Uh oh, they'll get over it. It'll be fine. Okay. Well, why don't we let's go ahead and get started? Yeah. I don't know if this is going to be a short show or a long show. We don't have that many cases to cover, but yeah, we'll a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Let's whether we want to or not. Let's start with the Walmart shooting in Virginia, you guys. What in the hell is happening? I mean, oh. that's a dumb question because we have these in the U.S. all the time, but we've had so many bigger ones yeah. in the last just few days, really. So there are five, I think now six is the death toll. People shot and killed. Um, their names are Lorenzo Gamble, Brian Pendleton, Kelly Pyle, Randall Blevins, Tanika Johnson and a 16-year-old boy who there was holding his name because he's a minor. Oh. These were all employees of Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia. They were sitting down like in the break room or somewhere like that uh -huh. with their supervisor for a meeting. 
And apparently this supervisor was pretty well known as a difficult dude. He was kind of the, the manager to watch out for. And Mm -hmm. you know, that you kind of wanted to deal with a different manager. If you had a problem, like this was the guy that people didn't really like or trust. Yeah. And that shooter was an active employee, active manager at Walmart. And he just pulled out a handgun and started shooting in this room of people and hit and killed six people. There's not a ton known yet. Well, the sixth person is himself. He took his own life. So he killed five and then took his own life. Yeah. We're not getting a lot of info yet of why if there ever is a real we want it to make sense right we want it to make sense but it doesn't And it just it may never yeah no no it 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 may never do we know if they've decided if it was his gun or if it actually came from walmart uh not sure yet Uh, it was a handgun he did just sort of pull it out like nobody just happened quick it happened really fast yeah and there were people who did survive so we know what happened in that room because there are people who can tell us yeah um and we're going to continue to cover this case of course and and give you more info as we get it but those are the main things that we Mm -hmm. know um right now yeah um some people were just really very uncomfortable with this guy well Um, yeah there'd been multiple employees that have uh complained about him in the past he was very paranoid and he told Mm -hmm. uh co-workers that he thought that the government was watching him Uh which you know in my social worker head immediately goes to some kind of a a psychotic episode you know Mm -hmm. people with schizophrenia believe things like that and he would say things like that to people at work which made people really uncomfortable and yeah. just didn't really like him very much. His name is Andre Bing. Mm-hmm. He was 31. And um, this happened at about, uh, what, 10 p.m. last night? Mm, I believe so. Yeah, last night, I think. Yeah, last night. Um, he had worked for Walmart since 2010. So he's been there a long time. Mm-hmm. He worked the overnight shift and oversaw the people who worked overnight. Um, like doing the stocking, stocking the shelves and cleaning the store and that kind yeah. of stuff. He was the overnight boss. Um, you know, people called him weird um, and that he was just a strange guy. Mm-hmm. They, You know, everybody had said that, yeah, they reported him. They didn't like him. He made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he's worked there for 12 years. My understanding is Walmart is pretty notorious for ignoring complaints about management and just mm-hmm. not caring. Yeah. And if you've got someone who's willing to do the job, then fine. Yep. Yeah. And yep. he apparently didn't have much of a life outside of work. He talked uh-huh. about that he worked and he just went home and that was his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's that's what we know. We'll keep we'll continue updating it. We'll talk more about the victims when we have more time and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. But we did definitely want to acknowledge that because that is. Um, I read today that we're at 616 mass shootings in the U.S. in 2022. 
My God. And it is a record number ever. And I believe, is it three or four victims to be considered a mass shooting? Not every shooting is considered a mass shooting. You have to have, it's three or four victims uh-huh. per incident to be considered a mass shooting. Yeah. And of course, we just continue to have them more and more yep. and more. So, uh, speaking of just ridiculous bullshit, can we talk about Richard Pizzuto and what's going on with his case here in Idaho? I hate this so much. I'm so mad at Idaho, I can't even. This is the stupidest, most bloodthirsty bullshit in the world. So you guys know, we have reported on this to infinitum, and we're not done yet. So Gerald Pizzuto is... Oh, Gerald. Why did I call him Richard? Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. It's Gerald. I I know that when you say it. (laughs) Gerald Pizzuto is... uh, He is a death row inmate in Idaho. He has been on death row... Well, his, his crime was in the mid-70s, and he's, you know, he's been on death row for like 40 years. He's elderly. He has cancer and is dying. And this last year, there's been this big fight going on between, well, you know, the Department of uh, Justice here, or well, yeah, for the prison system and his attorneys, because they have asked... Last year, they asked the parole board to issue a stay on the death penalty because he is dying. He's like on hospice, dying with cancer. And so they're like, why put this guy to death? Can we just remove him from the death penalty circuit here and just, you know, issue him life in prison and just let him, you know, live out the very little left of his life? And you see pictures of him and he's just withered away to practically nothing. I mean, it's, you know, what cancer looks like, especially with someone who's probably getting pretty menial care, you know? Right. I mean, he's getting care in the prison system on death row. It's not Mm going to be great. No. And initially the, uh, the pardon board said, yes, that seemed reasonable to them. They granted him clemency. Yeah. Granted him clemency. Well, inexplicably. In the biggest waste of time and bullshit act, Governor Little overturned that and said, now we're putting him to death. Well, then that had to go clear to the Idaho Supreme Court to decide if he had the right to do that or not. And they said, yeah, he did. So that put him back on the death penalty uh, list. Well, now... Hmm. I mean, he's had an execution date like three or four times that's never happened and years go by. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So now there has actually been a date set for December 15th. Yeah. Uh, And his, his attorneys are actually going clear to the Supreme Court with it. So they're asking for a stay of that date for now until they get to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like they are being told no. Idaho is saying that they do not have the drugs necessary to execute mm-hmm. Gerald Pizzuto. This is the biggest waste of time and money that has ever happened, ever. Probably not ever, but why? Why is this even happening? I cannot understand it. GB, he killed a couple of people in the 70s that were 
um, gold prospecting up in the mountains. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to say what he did was okay, but he's dying. He's been on death row for 40 effing years or more. Yeah. Like, so what Idaho wants for Christmas is to just kill him a little faster. Mm-hmm. Except they can't because they don't have any lethal injection drugs anyway. Yep. So, so technically, right now, his execution date is December 15th. However, hey, Holly. However, it's very unlikely to even happen. Because they don't even have the juice. Idaho has no means. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Another backdoor deal, you know, they, in another state? For roads. Mm-hmm. Because they've already admitted to the press that they do not have the uh, medications necessary to carry out the execution. So why are they even doing this? Right. Well, the reason it, it, part of the reason it's coming into question, as you guys know, the death penalty uh, by lethal injection has come under a lot of fire the last few years because uh, it gets botched so frequently. It doesn't always work. The cocktail of drugs that they're using, depending on so many different factors of subject it doesn't always work and work the way it's supposed to you know and and like it or not the u.s constitution says that means to put someone to death cannot be uh, equated with cruel and unusual punishment Mm. we don't torture people in this country even if right even if you know the killer did that is what our system says right we don't Mm -hmm. torture people So what keeps happening with the death penalty being carried out via lethal injection, which most states, that's about all they do anymore, is that they keep screwing up. I mean, my God, ask Oklahoma. They just keep doing it. Oh, Alabama too. Alabama just halted theirs after their third botched lethal injection in which it took Mm -hmm. the inmate three hours to die. Yeah. Three hours of excruciating pain. It's, It's stupid. Now, there's a push right now to do a different kind of uh, execution that is basically, uh, it's with liquid nitrogen, right? Yeah, hydrogen gas. Hydrogen gas, that's right. Uh, Like maybe in some kind of a pod system or something like that that that, Mm -hmm. uh, some states are looking at. Mm -hmm. Some European countries use it. Mm. Right. So one of the arguments from Gerald Pizzuto's camp is that because of his cancer, And because of the treatment for his cancer, some of the drugs that are called for for the lethal injection would have a bad effect with the cancer meds. And they really don't know what kind of uh, suffering and extended suffering that could be caused because of that, Mm -hmm. which has been a big part of the argument. So what's going to happen? Probably nothing. It's likely that December 15th will come and go. And nothing will happen because they don't even have the drugs to do it. So I, who knows? They've it's already very not, frustrating. Right. It's awful. And there have been questions for years now about whether Gerald Pizzuto actually is cognitively um, oh, yeah. capable enough to be executed. Because mm-hmm. there are laws protecting um, the developmentally disabled people from the death penalty and that's been the thing that has kept them from uh, executing him all this time Mm -hmm. so suddenly that doesn't matter anymore i don't know Mm -hmm. it's it's just crazy it's it is gb it's ridiculously complicated and 
I don't think we want to minimize what he did at all. Mm-hmm. It's just that, I mean, are we any better than what he did if we execute him while he's dying and do it in a way that's very painful? Like, I just mm-hmm. don't think that that's what civilized humanity should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know? And it is horribly complicated and stupid. Yeah. So we'll keep you abreast what happens there. But for now, there is a death order in place. Yeah. Mm. Gosh. So aggravating. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a lot of updates in the Club Q shooting. Yes. And so we did do an episode on this this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And then a lot of things have come out, so we wanted to share some of them. One of them is that we know that a man disarmed the shooter. And his name, we know him now, his, his name is Richard M. Fierro. He was sitting at a table with his wife, daughter, and friends when the shooting began. Uh, Mr. Fierro is a, I can't remember what he is he's he's retired from the army major i think he's a major anyway he said that he just sort of went into combat mode and it just went through his head that he would have to kill this man to keep him from killing him because the shooter actually did shoot his wife and daughter there they both survived with injuries but he um just took him to the ground disarmed him of his pistol and hit him with it. This guy, the uh, the shooter in this case, is pretty significantly injured. Yes, Amy, I did see what the mm-hmm. shooter's dad said. We're, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, he got him down on the ground, and then another patron pushed the rifle away out of his reach. And then, frankly, they beat the crap out of him, um, mm-hmm. including a trans woman who stomped on him with her stilettos, which I would like to give her the biggest high five I've ever given anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, that's awesome. So that's well, I how, mean, sucks to suck. Paranormal. Right? Yeah. That's why he's in the hospital is mm-hmm. because they beat the crap out of him. Uh, Fierro actually said that he was not sure they hadn't killed him when mm-hmm. the police broke in, but they were, he was fighting and trying to get up and they're screaming. He's like, he was screaming obscenities and Richard's screaming or Fierro's screaming back at him and they're just trying mm-hmm. to keep him down and beat the crap out of him to keep him down, which good on them. And that's how he was subdued. Uh So um, a lot of things have come to light. We did talk about this a little bit uh, in our episode, but it is confirmed now that the uh, domestic terrorist was a Mormon. Uh You guys know us. We're ex-Mormons. We live in Mormon land. And that's been a big, there's a lot of contention, Uh basically, around it. Because there is a Mormon, what's a word that will make sense to everyone? Clergy member? Right. I keep seeing him called a pastor. He's not. Mm -hmm. He's a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. So in the leadership of the Mormon Church, you have the prophet, you have his first and second counselors. And the three of them also sit upon a council called the Quorum of the Twelve. So he is one of the 12 most powerful men in the Mormon church. Right. 
And the most prolific. Yeah. And the quorum of the 12 are men that are sort of in line to potentially eventually might move up into the the president three, or the three prophet. guys and then maybe become the prophet mm-hmm. of the Mormon church. So I want to, I'm going to share this with you. So I'm going to talk for a minute while I download it because I forgot to save it. Um, so the fact that he's a Mormon just makes us sick and disgusted because, you know, we've talked a lot about it here mm-hmm. um, being raised Mormon kids and, you know, what the rhetoric is against the LGBT community and all of those things, you know, go over and over this stuff. So there is a, um, there, there was a a speech given a talk, we call it, Mm -hmm. it's called the talk. And it was given at BYU in Provo Mm -hmm. within the last year, I think can't remember exactly. I remember when it happened because mm-hmm. um, people blew up over this, but this is becoming much more relevant right now. So I'm going to share with mm-hmm. you what was said. So this is actually a wanted poster that is going around for a man named Jeffrey R. Holland. Jeffrey R. Holland being the, the, the man that we were talking about. And he said in a talk to college students at BYU, he called for musket fire in regards to gay men and women. I added the trans and non-binary there because, of course, he would never say those things because uh, if the Mormon church is super anti-gay, they're even more Mm -hmm. anti-trans. So this is something that he said. You can go look up the the talk and you can, um, you know, confirm this is, in fact, real. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me they needed to see proof. Uh, Go right ahead. Go do your own Google search. You'll find it in Mm -hmm. about 10 seconds. He said that musket fire. That's Mm -hmm. that's gunfire. That's shooting Mm -hmm. at LGBT people. Yep. And now we have a Mormon who has, in fact, done that. So that's Mm -hmm. been very challenging, I think, for us and people in our realm right now. Yeah. so we'll, I'm sure we're going to see more about that. There's a lot of confusing stuff happening right now. One of them is that, that the terrorists' attorneys have come out and said that this person is, in fact, non-binary. Mm-hmm. Which initially I was like, yeah, right. This is just some bullshit. Apparently they actually changed their name legally in 2015 or 16. And the pronouns that they go by are the mixed pronouns. Um, which, which are non-binary pronouns. So uh-huh. maybe this is true. Maybe it's not, we're not sure, but that is something that's being reported. Would this surprise you at all though? Just looking at the way the Mormon church treats LGBTQ people. Right. And if this person's family has been leaning really heavily on them and just right. instilling a whole lot of hate and self-loathing in them, I, I don't think this is surprising news at all. It isn't, but it's sickening. And and yeah. I, and, you know, the wanted poster is legitimate. Like you use your platform. You are a person of leadership and power mm-hmm. and you start preaching to your people that you want to see musket fire when it comes to gay men and women. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know how else you could take that, really. Right. And and there's, right. you know, there's tons of apologists right now. And this is a big thing in Mormonism to, you know, put a spin on it. Mm-hmm. That's not what he meant. Um, I, how, what else could he have meant? Mm-hmm. Why would he use a reference to a gun and shooting Mm-mm. to reference the way that people are handling the LGBT community? Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, what else? Yep. No, these things need to be called out. There is a pastor in Boise that weekly is preaching for the uh, prosecution of gay Mm -hmm. and uh, LGBTQ. He calls them the alphabet people, you know, that uh, the alphabet people should be prosecuted and lined up and shot in the head. And he's saying this stuff on a weekly in his, in his, uh, What do you call that? I was no, going to say has, uh, he did his platform plus in person. Right. Yeah. His live stream and his in person church. But and he's not the only one. This is catching fire with a bunch of these really, really uh, radical. I don't even want to call them Christian churches because give me a fucking break. Christian. Um, I, I think domestic terrorist churches are probably closer. Yeah. When yeah. you're calling for the, the murder mm-hmm. of an entire large group of people within your country like no yeah this is not this does not fall under free speech free speech does not allow you to cause harm to other people or incite harm to other people you know the example is always you know yelling fire in a in a um in a full movie theater Mm -hmm. you can't do that if if there's no fire because Mm -hmm. people will die trying to get out yeah you can't do those kinds of things. Um, yeah, yeah, Paula, odd that, odd that that isn't what he meant, but that is exactly what anybody who heard his statement thought he meant. Right. How could you take it any other way? Right. I mean, he says musket to be, make it sound old fashioned, I guess, but muskets are guns. We all know yeah. guns, you know, and I don't care what kind of musket you use when you're inciting the murder mm-hmm. of other people, you are should be mm-hmm. responsible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Politicians and religious leaders alike need to get this stuff out of their rhetoric. They need to stop saying things that sound violent. I always think about Gabby Giffords, mm-hmm. who Me was, too. of course, a state representative in Arizona. Yeah. Or was she a state senator? Anyway, she was a part of Congress in Arizona, uh, Mark Kelly's wife. And yeah. Sarah Palin had on her website, all of these different incumbents that she was trying to take down. And she had a target over their faces. And Gabby Gifford was one of them. And Gabby Gifford was at an event where she was speaking and campaigning and was shot in the head and nearly killed. It was a horrible attack, nearly killed, uh, permanently disabled. And when people said, well, Sarah Palin should not have her face on her website, with a target in front of it that was, it was like her, their, her hit list or something like that. Like it, it was, was all very violent. It, it implied course, shooting and guns and murder. Yeah. And of course everyone came out and said, oh, that was not, that she didn't mean that. Well, what did she mean? Okay. Maybe she didn't mean for a gunman to show up and do that, but you cannot assume that people get your whatever. No. This very literal speech 
that's being taken very literally? Well, how are we surprised? Well, you don't know who's listening. You don't know who's hearing these messages. Yeah. You don't know. Um, you know, we learned a lot about this domestic terrorist today uh, mm-hmm. when a video, and I don't have it. I didn't really want to share it because it's so homophobic, but it is of his father, mm-hmm. their their father. I, you know, I don't know. The, yeah. the, the domestic terrorist's father. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, them being him being told what was going on with his son mm-hmm. or his child mm-hmm. person terrorist. I really prefer terrorist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said something about, Oh, it was at a gay club. He's not saying he's gay. Is he? And he said, we're, we're a couple of things. We're, we're conservative and we're LDS and we don't do gay. And then the person speaking to him said, no, he, shot up a gay club and killed five people and injured a whole bunch more. And he said, Oh good. At least he's not gay. My God. I mean, does that tell you all you need to know about Mm -hmm. where this came from? Yeah. But he himself mentioned being LDS, which means the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is Mormon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People say LDS, they mean Mormon. It's the same Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, It's just a church with a really long dumb name. Um, mm-hmm. so that was terrifying. Other people who've known this terrorist say that they say very terrible, um, homophobic, anti-gay things, mm-hmm. even though they have been identifying apparently for a while as non-binary themselves. So yeah. we're talking about someone who is struggling with their own gender identity and maybe sexuality. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and taking that outward and attacking the LGBT community because because we know that some of the most homophobic people are in fact gay or trans or non-binary themselves. Uh-huh. It happens all the time. We see it with all these hateful pastors, ministers who are always getting caught with a with a man. You know, it's just stuff like that is happening all the time. Yeah, and this is quite an example of that. So those are yeah. some things that we're learning. Um, the last thing I wanted to say on Club Q was I just wanted to tell you the names of the victims because we know them all now. Yeah. And so let me share those with you. Raymond Green Vance, who went by he, him. Kelly Loving, she, her. Daniel Aston, he, him. Derek Rump, he, him. And Ashley Paw, she, her. Their names are much more important and frankly, um, you know. Yep. Those I, are the I ones we want to say. Right. I've still yet to say the domestic terrorist name and I'm not going to say it. I don't care. Yep. Not using their name. It's no. the people who, and, and, you know, I mean, we don't even have a list at all of the people injured. There are 25 people injured. Yeah. Either injured by gunfire or injured just trying to get out of the building and get away. Yep. So lots more is going to happen. Of course, there's going to be court. There's going to be all that stuff and we'll cover all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all of this, some of these things we've learned in the last couple of days are really important about where this came from. Also, Absolutely. we know that his grandfather is an outgoing California assemblyman um, who is a very conservative, like MAGA Republican who lost his seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, it was known that he was the one that always made sure 
that this domestic terrorist had access to guns. So, I mean, are we going to arrest him too? Because I think we should. I mean, it's only fair. Think of the Crumblies. Yep. Yeah. Horrifying. So with that, Katie, gosh, oh, you guys, I've been struggling the last few days, really struggling mm. with all of this. It's just I don't even too much to say anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you want to tell us there's a little bit of movement in Vallow? Yeah, there's a Not little a bit in Vallow. One tiny update, too, in Leilani Simon. She had court today and was not uh, granted bond. Just that's about all there is to say about Leilani Simon at this point. I mean, there's lots Good. of things to say, but as far as court, well, that's all there is to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, someone else who there's plenty to say about, Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. There is a couple of things. So Lori has a hearing coming right up on the 8th. It's a motion hearing to compel motion to declare death penalty unconstitutional. So that's going to be an interesting argument. Is this based on her mental state? We don't know. We'll find out. And motion to compel what? Still don't know. I'm going to guess that that has to do with uh, the defense continuing to accuse the prosecution of not giving them everything that they uh, are asking them for. But I have an answer for them because that was also something that has was just tried yet again by Mr. Pryor, along with his argument to sever. Right. And there's also been a decision in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, no, <laughs> we're right. still not severing. And also the court said, look, the prosecution has proved it over and over again. They have proved that they have given you everything and daybells are still going, but it's too hard to sort through. It's too much information. We want to know exactly what they're going to be arguing. And the prosecution yeah. says, we don't have to tell you that. No. All we, we have to give you everything we have, which is what we have given. It's like five terabytes. It's so much information. It's an insane mm -hmm. amount of information, but that's why daybells camp is saying, and, and you know, Lori's camp has said this in the past, and I'm guessing that's what this is about. Again, they're saying, no, we don't want to know all of this. We just want you to narrow it down to a few folders of what are you actually going to come to court with? And the prosecutors are like, we don't know. And we don't have to tell you. No, uh, that, would nice be, life. that would be their case. And and you get to you get to form your own plan, as does the prosecution, and grow up and get, you know, some assistance. because. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to read one paragraph from the judge's uh, ruling that I think pretty much uh, pairs it down to the whole the joint trial piece, okay? Mm -hmm. Because, of course, the big argument from, from prior is that he can't properly uh, put a case together for Chad with being joined because uh, of what they're going to argue and that having Lori joined to that would be prejudicial to his client. Because basically what he's alluding to, it sounds like, is that they're going to just, uh, you know, blame, blame Lori and Alex for everything. And so that the joinder just doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. um, but he hasn't really said that. The problem has been, in my opinion, Pryor hasn't brought enough to the table. Right. He hasn't brought enough to the table to say, these are the reasons why, if 
Chad was getting ready to roll on Lori. Mm-hmm. And he had a statement from Chad that he could take to the courts and say, this is why. Then he might have a different outcome, but that's not what's happening. So here's what the judge said. I feel like this was interesting. Turning to Daybell's argument that a joint trial frustrates his right to present mitigation evidence during a sentencing phase, the court again finds the argument is not ripe at this time. The state argues that Daybell has done nothing more than raise bare assertions that his rights will certainly be jeopardized by a joint trial and has not properly put on evidence to prove this argument before the court. The state suggests this court, oh, to this court, the possibility of requiring separate or sequential penalty phases for Daybell and Vallow Daybell should a single guilt phase trial return guilty verdicts against them. While the court must carefully evaluate the risk of prejudice in joint trials, There is no constitutional requirement that there be a guilt phase severance of properly joined defendants and offenses. That's United States versus Edelin. Relying on that rationale, the court determines that on this issue, Daybell has failed to demonstrate unfair prejudice requiring severance. Because again, all they're doing is flapping their jaws. They aren't bringing anything to the table that would compel the judge to make any change. Well, and the argument is no different than it was last time. No, and this is the second time he's argued it, and he hasn't even changed his argument. Yeah, where's your homework? It's just like your honor. They're picking on us again. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark Means is out, so now we got to have Pryor whining. Apparently, I mean, but there's just no, yeah, there's just no nothing compelling the judge to feel like, okay, this makes sense to me because they're bringing nothing. Well, and I mean, they can do things like if they think that. There is a concern. Did you know that there could be two juries? Yes. Lori's jury and Chad's jury. They could mm-hmm. actually do that and still present all the same evidence, but mm-hmm. present to two separate juries even. There are a lot of ways to solve this mm-hmm. that aren't about severing the cases. Yep. Because the whole point is it's exactly the same case against both people. Why do we have to present the whole mm-hmm. weeks long trial twice? That goes from a three-month trial to a six-month trial to try them both. This trial is going to be so brutal. And, you know, more than anything, this is just bitching. Mm -hmm. And for prior, it's definitely bitching because, you know, if you haven't bothered to hire some help for yourself, that is no one's problem but your own. You've had two years, bro. Two years. So the trial at this point is set to carry on. It's not going to start in January, but it sounds like it could start in March. Like yeah, there's looking warm. at that, I think. Mm-hmm. The, the show's going on and it's going on soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of you said, oh, Paula said, they need to move fast on Lori's case while they have this window of competency. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So the word on the street is that the jail is truly just, had been unable to get her to take her meds. Yep. She's been refusing. They have not had an order uh, allowing them to force medicate her. And so they haven't been able to do that. Has that changed now? We don't know because that's yes. confidential stuff, uh, you know, that the court would certainly have sealed, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they'll, they seal everything. So uh, we don't know, you know, if they're going to be able mm-hmm. to force medicate her now. I suspect that's true, that the judge is going, no, we know that she responds well to these meds because mm-hmm. she has before. Let's just start force medicating her, keep mm-hmm. her in jail, keep the ball rolling, you know, because truly, mm-hmm. Refusing to take her meds, 
I wonder if the judge just is equating that with malingering at this point. Mm-hmm. Because we know that they work. We know that they get her stable and get her back to reality. If she's refusing to take them so that uh, the trial can't go forward, that is malingering. So right. we don't know for sure what the answer is uh, because, of course, those things are sealed. But that's my suspicion. Is and there are lots of ways to get those on. meds to her. Mm-hmm. It's just that the jail would have to have a nurse. Mm-hmm to come in to administer them and it would likely be injectable mm-hmm. maybe you know or liquid mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways i know there's some topical like there's a lot of different ways to make somebody take their medication it's not like they're going to cram them down the throat they're not they have other ways. no they have other ways certainly and and perhaps the department of health and welfare will have to work with the jail to provide a nurse to mm-hmm. give her those shots or whatever yeah. But that's what I'm suspecting is that the judge is going, no, this is malingering now. We're not doing it. You're mm-hmm. going to get medicated one way or another. The show yep. is going on. Yep. So that's what's so, up in Daybell land. Yeah. Well, and I think that the, um, the current uh, filing for, you know, finding the death penalty um, unconstitutional, that comes up a lot in death penalty um qualifying mm-hmm. cases i don't think that's very unusual because mm-hmm. there are a lot of questions about is the death penalty actually constitutional it has been ruled constitutional but they this gets revisited fairly often mm-hmm. because of the cruel and unusual punishment rules right yeah yeah, yeah right gb all i care about is to make a competent so justice can be served right that's yep. just what we want that's what our community wants that's mm-hmm. what the families of the victims want. Like, whatever. Do whatever you yeah. got to do so we can get this over. Just get her there. Let's get this done. It has gone on long enough. My God, the poor family would just really love to bury these children, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And get right. it going. Got to get it done. Yeah. A uh, couple of updates in Michael mm-hmm. Vaughn. Oh, yes, please. So uh, the search and rescue c- crew and law enforcement stopped digging on Friday. FYI, mm-hmm. uh, they finished wrapping up their processing of the house and the rest of the yard today. Mm-hmm. They're saying that they will have a press conference most likely Monday. They have hauled tons and tons and tons of dirt to a different location to sort through. And they haven't, they're not saying shit about what they've found, if anything, mm-hmm. or what's going on with that at all. Mm-hmm. So did they find Michael Vaughn? We don't know. Or did they do, have they found enough to think that Michael Vaughn had been there at some point? We don't know. But uh, they're hoping, we are hoping that by Monday, and I kind of feel like it probably won't be Monday, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. They have a lot of work to do. It is a holiday weekend, which I know their work's probably not stopping for the holiday all that much. But at any rate, that's what's happening is that now they're going through, they're processing everything they got from the house and the yard and all of that dirt to come up with, uh, you know, a, an answer. So that's about all that's happening. And of course, we already reported on this once, but Sarah Wondra, her uh, competency failed. And so yeah. her proceedings are uh, stayed at this time while they put her in the mental hospital and do some work on her. Yeah. So, which I don't think should be any big surprise to anybody because... I scary stuff. Yep. And I, you know, a lot of people are afraid that she's made it all up. But I mm-hmm. really think that the police have been pretty clear that she was not the only source they had. Right. And They're saying so, that someone else that was in the house 
has also has also made this statement. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. GB, we all want Michael Vaughn found so badly. His yeah. poor mother, my God, his poor family. It's bad enough what they've been through, and now here they are. Well, I, Jr. it's a true fear. Now, hopefully the police have done enough homework. They're saying they have, that that's not the case. But judging by the girl we saw in court the other day. Ooh, that was pretty scary. have an anonymous source uh, also that came forward that knows her, that knew her as kids. Uh, we had, from looking at her Facebook and the things she'd said, thought that this uh, like really extreme born-again stuff was new. The source is saying that's not true, that she was oh. raised like that. Good to know, because it was like all of a sudden her social media went from just kind of regular social media to like extreme, uh, you know, mm -hmm. fire and brimstone Bible thumping. Mm -hmm. Oh, Christmas is devil worship, like really extreme. Yeah, stuff. like really extreme yeah. stuff. Um, so that's interesting. I think uh, that uh, that that's actually the way she was raised. Uh, also, that she was uh, had a fair amount of abuse as a child. Uh, we, we knew some of that. And that uh, depression has been, and mental health concerns has been a part of her path since she was a child. Uh, she does have an 18-year-old-ish daughter. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't believe she has any other children. Uh, she was raised in Portland. I'm trying to remember if there was anything else that really stuck out. I think those were the big ones. So I think that's just important stuff to know about Sarah as we try to understand what the hell is going on here. Right. And we don't know... You know, because her husband is already in custody, we don't know what he has said. Right. Yeah, so weird that uh, in multiple pictures and videos of Sarah and her husband, there are missing posters of Michael Vaughn behind them, post yeah, like hung on the house. wall in their house. And of course, they only live five minutes from Michael Vaughn's family, but still, yeah. like, in your house? Yeah, it's creepy. And yeah. 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 Do we think Idaho is seeing more murder or just the internet showcasing more? To, I think it's just the internet showcasing it more, to be honest. Yeah. We have found so many cases since we started doing this podcast uh, of murders in Idaho that we'd never even heard of. Yeah. A lot. Depending I went, on where they oh. happen, they're not necessarily, if they're real rural, they don't even mm -hmm. get reported. Like you hardly even see them on the news or anything. That one that we did a while back from Rupert? Yeah. And that wasn't that old. And I'd no. never heard of it. We don't live that far from Rupert. I mean, you'd yeah. think it would have been on our news. Um, although we are seeing, like, the Daybell case is one of the worst murders Idaho has ever seen. I, yes. There was a northern Idaho murder um, where two kids were actually taken, um, kidnapped and taken. And one of them was killed and another survived and that was also a terrible one because they murdered um, those children's family. Uh -huh. uh, that one, um, you know, and now we have the the stabbing deaths of four students at the at uh, uh, U of I University of Idaho, yeah, in Northern Idaho. But I don't yeah. know, you know, are we having more or are we having just worse yeah. ones? Yeah, which could be too. That's a good point, Holly. There is the nine eight eight mental health number. Yes. That you can call if you or somebody you know needs help. That is you can also text a, it. a real thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is, Which, it is definitely a good thing. And speaking mm -hmm. of Moscow, Katie, do you want to share a little bit with us on that one? Yeah. 
there was yet another press conference today. It's like they didn't have any press conferences for way too long. And now they keep having these press conferences that are useless. But yeah. I, they just don't. They're doing their best, I guess. But my goodness. I think they are. They're finally searching the woods behind the house. Um, as it turns out, we know people who know the boyfriend of one of these girls. Yep. And we were given some information a few days ago. Uh, that doesn't completely match up with what the police are saying. And so I don't know. I don't know because the police's story is very ragged and has changed lots of times. What we were told, mm -hmm, what we were told is that the two roommates, uh, when they came home, uh, the other, you know, the four that were murdered were, were home as well. Everyone was kind of getting home, rolling in like in the middle of the night and everyone was basically drunk. And Mm -hmm. that these uh, roommates did see they are saying that one of that the dog was barking and one of the girls opened the door to put the dog out and someone forced their way through the door when she had the door open mm-hmm. they are also saying that there has been a creepy guy in their neighborhood for a while uh, wearing a ski mask that they thought was maybe stalking them and that one victim in particular had reported mm-hmm. that she felt like she had a stalker mm-hmm. they're also and, and so they said that they saw the masked person come in the house, but they didn't know that he wasn't with them. This was a party house where a lot of people were in and out. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, we don't know that this is true. This is just mm-hmm. what we've heard. So please know that this is absolute gossip, but it is interesting gossip. And that uh, they were just, you know, drunk and done and just thought these guys just still had their parties still going or whatever. And they went to bed and locked their door. They also said they locked their bedroom doors always because it was a party house and there were a lot of people in and out. So you just always locked your door so that nobody was barging in there drunk and stupid or whatever. But then when they woke up the next morning, they were afraid to come out of their rooms because they were scared that something had happened. Now, the police are saying this a little differently. And so I'm not saying that we're right at all, but, but this is what we were told, that they called a male friend to come over and check on things before they dared come out of their rooms. And that is the person who called 911 from one of their phones. Yeah. So here's what the Moscow police said in their update today. These are some things that they, uh, they repeated a lot of the info about uh, the night the students were killed in the investigation up to this point, uh, trying to build a timeline of where they were, maybe who they had been with or talked to. Mm-hmm. They're saying that Cronodal and, and Chapin had been at the Sigma Chai fr- uh, frat house mm-hmm. at a party, returned home around 145. Moden and Gonkov, every time I say it wrong, Gonkovs, Moden and Gonkovs had been at a local bar and downtown Moscow at a food truck before re- returning home also about 145. Mm-hmm. Now, they're saying that the tenants, ret- the other tenants had returned home around one and did not wake up until the morning long after the attack. So that's where the story we heard kind of branches out. But again, I'm not saying we're right, just that this is what friends are saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple calls were made from Madison and Kaylee's phone to a male. Previously, authorities had confirmed that the calls were made after 2 a.m. and that the man a friend was sleeping. Goncav's sister, Olivia uh, Goncav, said that the man was a friend named Jack. 
There has been a lot of talk about a Jack. Then it sounded like maybe there were actually two Jacks that could have been involved. Uh, the Jack story gets really confusing. There is a Jack that actually lives in Boise that was just in town for the, just to party and hang out. And now uh, he was a suspect maybe for a minute. We had even been told that the boyfriend that uh, our kids as friends know uh, has received threats, death threats, and is laying very low right now because mm -hmm. people have harassed the hell out of him. Uh, the public needs to calm the hell down. Right. But they anyway. Need to let them do their job. Yeah. They're saying that when the 911 call, uh, that when the 911 caller two minutes before noon called in and reported an unconscious person, police arrived to find the four students dead, two on the second floor and two on the third Police said separately that the two women who were unharmed were sleeping on the first floor. Mm -hmm. Autopsies confirmed that they all died from multiple stab wounds and that all were likely asleep when the attacks occurred, though some victims showed defensive wounds, indicating mm -hmm. that they awakened to struggle with the attacker. There were no signs of sexual assault and none were tied or gagged, which is something that the ME had said to... Uh, News Nation was that they were bound and gagged. And now right. the police are saying that's not true. Why would the ME say that? Right. It's like there's a, it's very difficult and they are holding a lot back and they are mm -hmm. very frustrated with constantly being asked the same questions, but mm -hmm. it is hard when it feels as though things haven't been reported truthfully up to now. And they're not, you know, that there mm -hmm. was a student who asked um, it, because, you know, they went over, all over on the whole um, targeted attack again, and they don't think anybody else is at risk and all that stuff. And yeah. one of the student reporters said, okay, so you're saying it's a targeted attack. So how do the rest of us prevent ourselves from also being targeted? Which I, yeah. was a very smart question. And it was a real, you know, roundabout non-answer. Mm -hmm. Um you guys are safe, but you're not safe. So just know that you're safe, but you're not safe. So yeah. head on a swivel, but you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was also talk that the neighborhoods have been talking about having a creepy guy around. And uh, mm -hmm. also as that someone reported that their dog was skinned. Yeah. And the police had a kind of a, right, not much of an answer to that either. I don't know, you guys. I'm starting to really question if they are up to this. Uh, you know, no hate to the Moscow police, except for that. Are they up for this? Well, fortunately, the FBI are there, um, including the behavioral analysis unit is there. Yes. They did talk about that today. You know, okay. something happened in Moscow a couple of days ago where a girl opened her car door to get in her car and there was a man sitting in her car. Yep. And she screamed and ran. She was with her sister. Her, she and her sister ran away from her car. Mm -hmm. um, someone reported actually seeing the man following them. Mm -hmm. But by the time the police got there, the man wasn't there. And other people said they never saw the man. And so they closed that case and called it unfounded. Yeah. Which unfounded. I find terrifying considering what's going on in this town right now. Like, that How many feels... other times have these things happened that we said they were unfounded, even and, though and there's it was clearly unfounded. a killer in your town? Right. And and they said it was unfounded, even though this girl saw him. Like, was her word not enough to at least, like, fingerprint her car and, you know, do I, I some guess she... 
just a silly little woman. It, it, did, it kind of feels like that, frankly. Mm -hmm. It does. And I think, you know, where was her car sitting and were there security cameras around or, or ring cameras or whatever? You know, and again, like, how the stop. hell can anyone feel safe in this town with this shit going down? And they're the police... students saying they're never coming back, that they have yeah. no intention of coming back to the University of Idaho. Yeah. And I don't really blame them right now. And I, I know that this is a huge deal for the Moscow police. They've never had to deal with something like this before. Yeah. And they do have the state police there and they do have the FBI. But yeah, this is, it just doesn't feel, they get in these press conferences and then they congratulate and thank everyone for doing such a wonderful job when mm -hmm. they have not discovered yeah. anything that, you mm -hmm. know, haven't proved anything, have not arrested a suspect. Mm hmm so I think they should probably stop congratulating themselves until they actually yeah. arrest somebody, like have a suspect in custody. Like then you can mm -hmm. congratulate yourself. Yeah. Until then, maybe, I don't know, do that. I know. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned. I'm very concerned about this. And I don't blame those kids who are coming back mm -hmm. because perhaps they feel like this has been bungled. Thank you, Barbara, so much. Appreciate yes, you. you. The, the Moscato is on Barbara. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, how could that be the answer, Jessica? How right? could the people in this town feel safe when women are calling the police and saying something scary just happened to me and the police come and say, ah, but we don't think so. We don't yeah. know who the guy is, so this didn't really happen. Like, it's yeah. just, I was stunned when I read the article. If my kids were students at Moscow, I think I'd be bringing them home too right now because we don't know you know they keep saying this was a targeted attack how do they know that they do not they, know that they will not say how they know yep which i don't understand i mean i think they could at least give some kind of a generality there oh it's just like the mayor saying that it was a crime of passion right after it happened with absolutely nothing to go on except for that no. it was a stabbing and stabbings are usually a crime of passion right. well maybe and then again, maybe not. Maybe when you watch TV, come on. Yeah. Well, and that was brought up again in this press conference. Somebody said, you know, you're sure you have ruled out that this is some murder-suicide. And they said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not. Well, but again, the ME said no. But the ME also told News Nation that they were all bound and gagged. And now the police are saying they're not bound and gagged. The other thing the ME did is that she was interviewed by multiple local journalists and she didn't tell any of them that. In fact, mm -hmm. she gave them all very, very little. Told them that she couldn't tell them lots of things that they asked. She couldn't tell them. The, that very night, she goes on News Nation and discloses a whole bunch of stuff that she refused to tell the local reporters mm -hmm. that now the police are countering. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, see, mm -hmm. Ellie, and I hope that Leo does know more than they're saying. We don't have right. to know everything. We shouldn't know everything to justify or to jeopardize their case. But, but why would she to protect say they the were community? bound and gagged if they weren't? Right. I don't understand that. That That no. is a very odd thing to me. I mean, are they intentionally giving bad information out to the public? I mean, what? Or did she just say something she wasn't supposed to and now they're walking it back? Right. Right. We don't know. Anyway, so that's what's up in Moscow. Gosh. Well, that's enough, I think. Indeed. Holy cow. Well, I think that's everything for us tonight. Yeah. Which it is a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we hope whether you're here in the U.S. and, you know, having some kind of celebration or not, mm-hmm. or if you're not in the U.S., tomorrow's just Thursday. We hope you all have a great week and weekend. For those of you who subscribe to the Psychic Hour, we will not be there tomorrow night because, frankly, we'll be drinking wine, eating pie, and playing games. So, yeah. sorry. Um, and, but we will be back next week, uh, you know, with with our usual stuff. But we just want to say that we really appreciate you and hanging in here with us with some of the stuff that is very heavy because it is. Mm-hmm. But it's stuff that needs to be said. It's things we need to be aware of. And, and in order to protect ourselves and our own communities, we have to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.